Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 194 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. In today's episode, we are talking all about kids' nutrition, and I will be sharing highlights from Stella, my now four-year-old's birthday party, as well as some updates in our conscious communication, parenting strategy, and her overall development. Yes, this has been such a fun year with Miss Stella, and I'm pretty much her aunt and you know, pseudo best friend. Um, <laughs> she, she almost replaced you. I mean, I heard, I yeah. heard. <laughs> Depends on the day. Jocelyn. Yeah. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just loved seeing her, you know, process through her threes and we so enjoy her spirit and love being around her now more that we're in Austin. Absolutely. She's definitely a little spirited one. <laughs> and I feel like People call it the terrible twos, but as I've discussed with moms and her friends' moms and such, it really seems more like the terrible threes for sure. So we have had some territory to navigate, but all in all, it's been such a wonderful, awesome ride. And I can't wait to answer all of your questions. We have questions from ADHD to getting in vegetable variety to carb control, supporting digestion. This will be a jam-packed episode. Yes, I am totally here for it. I've heard the same thing actually about terrible threes from other parents as well. So I don't think you're alone there. No, (laughs) Uh, but I am taking notes. So before we get into today's episode, let's just have a quick word from our opening sponsor, Fond Bone Broth. Absolutely. So Fond is truly wellness well made. They are slow simmered, lovingly tendered bone broth from simmer to seal. And Fond is made exclusively in stainless steel with well water that has naturally occurring minerals and is tested daily for excellence. They use free range chicken, including the backs and the feet. So they definitely get that gelatinous combination of collagen and gelatin, which provides us that connective skin support for skin, hair, nails, gut support and integrity. We know that bone broth is such an important tool for optimizing our immune health, working both as an expectorant, supporting upper respiratory system, all the way down to supporting your gut, your gut-associated lymphatic tissue. Fond is also sustainable, so they partner with organic farms. They use glass jars, which we love sharing and reusing for future use. And the last thing I want to call out is that Fond Bone Broth is delicious and it is functional. They choose a synergy of ingredients with each of their flavor profiles. So from turmeric cracked pepper to the beets with the poblano and serrano hot peppers, the goal is that this is good for you. It's here to nourish and delight. And we get enhanced nutrient density with this combination of strategic ingredients I am totally obsessed and I've been sipping on Fond even in the heat of Texas summer. 
And I find it to be an awesome way to rebalance electrolytes and often something to just look forward to as a nightcap at the end of the day. Go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash pages slash Allie Miller and you'll get on a landing page where you hear about my favorite fond uh, bone broth products and also when you put an Allie Miller RD at checkout you will save 10% off of your order yes so so good all right so I love your mama mantras if we want to call them that um, before we get into Stella's birthday and her current nutrition goals Let's just talk about some of the mantras that you've used with her this past year. Some of them come on the fly and Uh (laughs) I'm sure, you know, could never even be recalled. I was talking with Brady last night in bed, trying to write some Cliff's notes on what what are some of our go-tos. And really this idea is that our parenting strategy is all about autonomy and independence. So we always want her to understand the why behind the rules that we set or the boundaries that are out there, understanding it's not just that you can't climb over the couch, it's that in this household we respect our furniture and we respect our things. So we're providing her this higher level of consciousness of a why behind a condition. And we wanna ensure that she always understands that our intention is for her to feel safe, and confident and connected. We try to round out any correction with empowerment and a message of love and acceptance. So she doesn't feel isolated or she doesn't feel, you know, shamed by a correction, if you will. So from reflecting from age two to three, and I was also looking at the show notes from her third birthday. So our one of our big mantras from then, just to kind of remind viewers and listeners or if they're new to our podcast, uh, from two to three, we had two main ones. <laughs> one was patience and positivity creates peace. And that would be like a thing that we'd always say, patience and positivity creates peace. And so I would, I would look at her sometimes and say, Stella, are you being patient? Stella, are you being positive? Because from age two to three, her favorite word was no. <laughs> I remember that. No, 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 no. Right, which I think is very common. And then the other one we had that was like a common phrase also from two to three was mouths are for food, talking, and kissing. And then it added in mouths are for food, talking, kissing, and sinking, mama. And, you know, all the other things that we can do with our mouths. But basically saying, stop putting things in your mouth, mm-hmm. child. <laughs> including stop licking the door frame. Yeah, your hand, your toy, or anything. No, nothing should be in the, in the mouth. Exactly. Um, so for three to four in this last year, um, find your mellow has been a big one. And, um, I really think that she did this year had so many big girl moments, uh, a big highlights from age three into four was the anti-anxiety diet cookbook tour, which was national. You know, when she was two to three, I released the anti-anxiety diet, but the anti-anxiety diet cookbook was a big impact on our family, on our household. Uh, You know, we kicked things off in Seattle. She got to go to Bastyr University and hike in St. Edwards National Park. And she, you know, saw the dinosaur trees and and all of the cool vegetation out there and and the, you know, more rainforest lush like woods out there. She hugged trees in California, some of the biggest trees up in Big Sur area. She um, really came into her own and uh, was proud of her role in our household and also like her role in the business. It's really funny because she's like a really big advocate for her own supplements and she'll even ask proactive questions like, 
So mama, the purple one, it, the kid's biotic, the purple one, that's my probiotic, right? And I'll be like, yes. And then I'll say, you know, because it has the word biotic in it and this is what it does and it, and it feeds the, the buddies in my belly and makes my immune system strong. And so she's like definitely proactively coming into her own and a part of understanding functional medicine and nutrition. And um, yeah, so find, find Your Mellow was a big one. And uh, I think that she had a lot of adult-like experiences in this last year and was able to do that as best as we could in the terrible three season. And uh, with the evolution over the last couple of months of pandemic such, uh, you know, we've incorporated a mantra of I am well, I am strong, I am peace. Uh, as I shared in past episodes, she called this the bad season instead of, you know, us allowing to buy into the sensationalism of COVID or any of those types of words. And, um, you know, she's getting a little bit now, which is interesting, of, of some of the passive impact on um, media or what she's observing from other parents or from her friends is that she is getting more into fear, uh, bad guy talk, villain talk. Mm-hmm. Um, she, we wanted to watch Star Wars this week. And she always slept on her own. Like, she's never co-slept. She, from, from six weeks, we had her out of our be- bedroom where she was in like a bassinet into her crib and sleeping through the night like eight hours right away at that time. And, um, you know, just over the pandemic, I would say in March, she started waking up in the middle of the night with kind of night terrors. And uh, we allowed her to sleep in our bed for like five to six weeks. We would always put her down in her own bed, but then kind of expect her to be at the top of the stairs at some point. And um, now after a full week at school, she's in her sixth week back to school now, as I'm talking mid-June. And uh, after the first full week back at school, we got her back up to her big girl bed. And now we do a weekly family sleepover party as like a celebration of like you stay in your big girl bed, but on Saturday nights. So, you know, two weeks ago, it was Barbie Dreamhouse Princess School that we got to watch in bed. And then, like I said, this last weekend was Star Wars, which she made it through like half of the movies. So I love that. And that creates such a special ritual. Like we talked about the importance of that, creating that for yourself and for your family during this time of the bad season. I'm just going to start adopting Stella's language <laughs> lingo there. Yeah. Uh, but creating that ritual where she still knows she gets to do it once a week and it's special and there's treats involved and maybe like popcorn or baking cookies or something like that too. Yeah. Family sleepover party has been a great wean to get her back into her yeah. own bed. And, and that really helps us to have deeper qualitative sleep through the week and all the things. Uh-huh. So we're very <laughs> grateful for that. Uh, so yeah, you know, we're always looking to honor her feelings and create expectations of behavior and human engagement and that's been a shift of the tides from age three to four is like a little bit of understanding um with more long days at school in january she started at the montessori school and so now she's going to school from nine until like four thirty, and so she's gotten more i think like mama needs so we're trying to balance through like how do we expect her to behave and engage with all humans and also manage like selective uh, favoritism, which I think is very common. And when kids feel like they're missing their parents, uh, one of our mantras we employed over her birthday weekend, which has been a long time coming, is the more the merrier. <laughs> this is the last one I'll share. But uh, in the context of like, for instance, uh, Last Friday, we were all recording for the YouTube channel and Becky and I came to pick up Stella from school and she was like, 
you know, all day was gone. It was like, mom. Whereas if she had been playing with me for three hours, she'd be like, Becky, the second Becky walks in the door. But, you know, she kind of was like looking at Becky, like, don't take me away from my mom right now, you know? And, and same thing, or if I pick her up from her grandma's, she'll start growling a little bit at the grandma instead of me. Uh, so with her birthday party, we talked a lot about, you know, what is princess etiquette? It helped with the Barbie Playhouse Princess Sleepover, whatever. But <laughs> but what is princess etiquette? And, you know, this is making eye contact with all of your guests. This is being gracious. This is complimenting your guests. This is finding a time to connect and play and smile. And this is, you know, practicing connection. And, you know, you can love this friend Felicity and you can love this friend Kieran Kate and you can love your cousin Stella and you can love all the people and the more the merrier because everyone's here to love you uh, because it really came on when Becky was helping with her birthday party and my parents were there as well and then Byron came over for dinner and Stella like wanted to just play with Byron and then was not wanting to play with my parents and it was like no 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 Gaga and Bumpa that's what she calls my parents Gaga and Bumpa drove you know 10, no, 16, I don't know, hours from Florida to be here, they love you too, the more the merrier. So if you can be kind and positive to everyone, everyone's going to have better energy. Everyone's going to have a fun time and we can have the most fun. So you don't have to be exclusive. We want to be inclusive. And it was really funny because I'm sure you can share Becky like at the pool and other times when I would just say Stella, if I could kind of feel her vibe of being a little exclusive. (laughs) She would look over her shoulder and go, the more the barrier. <laughs> and she, she does get it. It's not just like giving lip service either to, you know, the mantra that, that you've created. She's not brainwashed in that way. Um, she actually gets it. And I've seen her shift behavior when you call her out. Right. So, so actually by her saying that she's like clicking herself in and then she'll be like, okay, Judah, I'll play catch, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Like she does, she, she, if I, call it out she looks at it and she thinks about it and she's like oh yeah I was being kind of closed off to that person so it's it's pretty cool to see logic coming into play and that's the joy I'm hoping for this year of age four is that now she's really able to put all of these things together and connect empathy and other people's feelings into being conscious and aware with the way she communicates and her place in the world Totally. And it's been super cool watching you guys. I know she's always keeping you on your toes, but yeah, she's, she's applying more logic than, you know, raw emotion and, and feeling and kind of processing through those feelings a lot more deeply. Um, let's talk also about her diet. So what have been the biggest trends in her diet? What are the new foods that she's eating or some of her favorite snacks and meals? So we are still very protein focused. Uh, She's been getting in a lot more probiotic rich foods as well. Uh, She's now doing yogurt about four times a week for breakfast and then rotating that with eggs. And um, on the weekends she might do, so maybe three to four times a week yogurt, rotating that with like an omelet. Uh, Brady will do two eggs with like ham or bacon in the center and maybe some avocado on the side. And then about once a week she gets the almond butter banana pancake still from the anti-anxiety diet cookbook. Uh, But she gets probiotics way higher, I would say, in, in this last year and onward because she's doing kombucha or yogurt pretty much daily. 
And so that's been a change because I really kept dairy out as a staple of her diet from the two to three year. And she only had that one blip of illness, which was likely some form of COVID in January when she had the full seven day run of, of that hundred and three fever. It was a high fever that she hit. Um, I think she had 104 uh, fever during that period of time. But uh, we held the dairy out, of course, anytime she has mucus or phlegm. But if she's not showing any of those signs, uh, we've allowed her to have a lot more of the Greek yogurt, which has been a great choice for her and works well in the morning. Um, she's getting protein at every meal still. And I would say the biggest change would be her vegetable variety. Uh, she's more into salads. So if I'm making a salad as an entree or as a side, she's getting some on her plate and eating it with her fork. Sometimes her fingers like a dinosaur still, but getting in the leafy greens and more explorative with vegetables in general, doing roasted cauliflower now. Um, so get, getting all sorts of variety there. Totally. And I don't always realize that her palate is so advanced until I see like another child around her same age who's still in like the food jags and the pickiness. And I know she's got her jags here and there, but she's pretty, pretty evolved at this stage for sure. Totally. Uh, Let's talk Stella's lunches. So she started at the Montessori school in January. And I know that shifted things some and I think everyone loves seeing you share her lunches so now that she's back to school anything you're doing differently there yeah so they have a strict nut policy whereas the school prior the yoga peace school had up a country in their play yard so it was not able to be nut free so that was very liberating <laughs> in the world of paleo treats and snacks. Uh, like so, F-bombs yeah, were a daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a change too. She's totally turned off from the, not turned off, but just not doing the nut bomb, the F-bombs as regular at all. Um, I think just because like the texture thing, like she's more into like, I just want to chew something. So she's going to go for a, a thing of pistachios uh, with dried mango before she would go for an F-bomb at this point. Uh, but yeah, I can't send any of that stuff anymore. So that was the big shift to, to navigate. Um, and uh, we do sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds. And then actually a couple months in, like mid-February, when I was talking to the teacher about uh, doing a Valentine's treat, uh, Stella brought in fresh strawberries dipped in dark chocolate because I knew that there would be a garbage option mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanted her to bring an indulgence and then she always opts out you know I have her listed as gluten-free and I just have her listed as like she has so many sensitivities just don't give her anything that I didn't pack and or please provide me advance notice if there is a, a celebration and I have these snack packs that I've put together in advance. So they have like Who Kitchen uh, chocolate gems, uh, maybe some dried mango, and then like coconut shreds, and that will be one baggie. And in case there is a birthday, then she gets that pack. Um, I also have uh, something uh, like a frozen popsicle that's a clean ingredient base, and a couple of things so that if there is a treat, she gets to choose a treat from her thing. Or if they notify me in advance, like they did a pizza day, uh, Brady actually brought her one time uh, gluten-free pizza from one of our local pizza places that features a lot of uh, local produce and such. And so she ate her, you know, two slices of pizza that he brought her and, and she thought that was really cool. 
Um, but she's pretty good at self-regulating with all of those things and she connects the dots and as she's getting more autonomous and, and connecting how she feels with foods, I'll also allow her as she goes into, you know, true public school next year, uh, you know, more, not even this fall, next fall, she'll be going into public school. Uh, then I'll really allow her more interaction and more choice. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch her navigate. It's interesting, though, to watch, like, even with, if she's given the option of corn chips versus siete chips, she chooses the siete, I think, just based on taste and texture. Um, I don't know if she has an association yet of, like, oh, that doesn't make me feel as good, but I've watched her make that distinct choice, so I think you'll be in good shape. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so, and it's so interesting. She still has such a palate that is savory, uh, like her birthday cupcake, which we'll get to her birthday menu in a moment, but... They were delicious, and all of the girls, I observed, all of the girls mowed their cupcake, and Stella left half. Mm-hmm. She's like, save it for the ants. And I, yeah, that's what she said. It was so weird. I don't know what that means. Save it for the ants. Like, no, thank you. Mom's just going to take that to yep. the game. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I took that down, and it was delicious. Uh, so, okay, so for her lunches, um, we still use the stainless steel container, and I will link it in this episode's show notes um, from my Amazon store because all of you always ask every time I shoot it uh, in my Instagram stories or whatnot. But she always has a protein, a veggie, a fruit or a starch, and then a separate snack container because they do a snack time at school as well. And the snack container is a stainless steel as well with just like a little plastic lid on top. And so the protein choices are like... Uh, grass-fed burger leftover, wild salmon leftover, or chicken breast or rotisserie pulled chicken. Uh, She's still doing really well with all of those choices. If it is drier rotisserie, like from a couple days before, I will sometimes toss it in olive oil with a little bit more salt. Um, She does that better than like a mayo ketchup blend. Uh, But that would be an option too for your kids if they needed a dipper, if you will. Um, We do the Epic brand wild salmon bites as a protein choice. We do an organic salami as a protein choice. And her new like love of life is a Siete chicken and cheese quesadilla using the almond flour Siete tortillas. But those are ones we can't bring to school because of the nut thing. So that's a a little line to navigate. The coconut option of that you can, but not as good. But that's one of her favorite proteins like on a weeknight if we're making something really flavorful or funky. We're doing taco night. That's what she goes for. Um, Veggies that we rotate would be either like cooked roasted broccoli. Uh, We would put in raw cucumber, leftover cooked asparagus, raw carrots, and uh, bell pepper. And those are all kind of in rotation in her vegetable section. And then uh, she usually gets berries, a combination of them in her lunch. And then she might do like sweet potatoes or plantain chips. Uh, Dried mango is often in the snack section, Um, and then we might do like a fresh fruit otherwise. If we weren't doing berries, we would maybe do pineapple or cantaloupe or something like that. And that's like about, I would say, a quarter of a cup. And then um, for her snack, it might be apple and cheese. It might be orange slices and pumpkin seeds. It might be Who Kitchen gems and sunflower seeds if I feel like, you know, that worked with the layout. So it's always a protein, a fat and a carb, and we always ensure that there's no naked carbs. So even in her snacks, we would never just give her a fruit. We're always going to give her a, a seed of sort or a cheese stick or another protein choice. Like maybe the wild salmon bites would be in the snack with the dried mango, and that would work as well. 
Sounds like that school lunches blog that we have up still stands the test of time, but I'll consult with you and add anything that you guys are digging that's new. Yeah, we can totally link that as well in the show notes for help for those that are new listeners. And it applies to adults as well. Oh, totally. I would eat everything on there. Adult lunchables. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then for her dinners, like I said, she's just exploring new vegetables. She's getting more um, adventurous with her palate. Uh, her protein selections. She's done, um, you know, organ-based uh, burgers, and she did kind of. You could tell she could tell the difference of the taste. <laughs> like she kind of looked at me, and I, I told her it's funny because one of the Q and A questions is like, you know, how do we sneak healthy things into your kid's diet? And I don't advise that. I advise that you empower your children on what you're doing that's healthy, why it's healthy, so that they understand why it might taste different, so that they understand why this almond flour cracker tastes different than a Ritz cracker. Um, You know, this is not made with flour. This is made with nuts. And the reason why we choose something that's made with nuts instead is that it has more nutrient density. It has more protein. And then you can, based on their level of education and age, you can then empower them on what that does for their body. And so when we had those burgers, I said, oh yeah, there's organ in this burger. And that's why it tastes a, a little bit different. How do you describe that taste? And she at first said yucky and then we talked through it and I was like, I think it's pungent and I think it's maybe, maybe a little bit metallic and, you know, talking about actually descriptive terms instead of yum, gross. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Giving her a little bit more advanced language and, and I love that creating that empowerment of, you know, the, the connectedness to your body and what it's doing as she begins to understand that more. Yes. And the, the last thing I would say on her evolution of her diet, if you will, is that she's overall doing less uh, fruit um, and like I said, less nut butter packs um, and more vegetable uh, so, and, and less smoothies. Smoothies were a big staple that we did like after school snacks. And I think she's just getting more satiety because she's just in a different eating style right now. And, you know, we don't need to pack in calories because she's eating well at mealtime. So we're not doing as many of the, the smoothies per se. But now, like midday, I'll just throw a couple carrot sticks and some pistachios on a plate or some bell pepper slices or some cucumbers. And I'm usually giving her a midday vegetable snack um, and that might or might not have nuts based on if she if she ate her entire lunch or not and that's kind of how I take as a metric of her hunger and I'll, I'll often ask her too awesome um, let's get into her birthday party and talk theme and menu it was just so so fun and I know Stella was a big fan of all of the food that was there yeah totally so I channeled all of my Olaf this is fine vibes (laughs) of the entire pandemic into Stella's birthday party pretty much uh you know I was like okay like this is going to be an escape of of joy source and all the things and we had a princess tea party and for four years old, she was able to have four guests and we were able to conjure up four guests that yes. were willing to attend, which was <laughs> awesome and amazing. Um, so, so grateful for the mama friends that brought their littles and they all got to bring, they dressed up like princesses to come over and they brought their stuffy is like the word now. <laughs> um, they brought their stuffy or their favorite stuffed animal to join them for tea. And um, I made a strawberry lemonade which was delicious. It used honey as the sweetener. 
And that was their tea. So we served it in these like porcelain, real deal princess teacups. And uh, oh, before that, we played Pin the Tail on the Unicorn. <laughs> and then we had Princess uh, Pink Princess Tea. And then I had these little, what are those called, Becky? The three tiered, is there a word for those? There's trays. a word for them. Um, tea trays. Tea trays. I guess. That's a good. You know, it had a top, a middle, and a uh-huh. bottom. A trifle? No, that's like a, no. that's the glass thing. I don't know. I don't anyway. know either. Okay. Tea trays. <laughs> and so I had uh, my, I made my Greek yogurt ranch dip from the first book, the Naturally Nourished Cookbook. And we did like little crudite cups in that, which had uh, slices of carrots and bell pepper and cucumber. I had a, a, the first little tray was berries. So it was berries, blueberries, blackberries, strawberries. And then at the bottom, I had watermelon stars. Uh, which actually didn't really turn out. So we ended up just chunking the watermelon. And then we did uh, for the protein, and this was just supposed to be light snacks. So it wasn't like a meal per se. For the protein, we did the chicken tenders with the almond flour from Picnic. We ended up just catering those. So Brady picked up like six containers of that, brought those in. And then as an activity, when they first sat down for tea, before we brought out the little trays of, of bites, uh, every girl got an almond flour and honey-based cutout cookie from my cutout recipe on the blog. And I made these little packages where they had uh, pink icing, blue icing, and sprinkles. And they were just generic organic sprinkles in the sense of like, you know, no food dyes and all the things. But the icing was just heavy whipping cream and powdered sugar, um, organic powdered sugar. And then we colored it by uh, basically um, mashing in strawberries for the pink one. And then for the blue one, we did uh, blueberries, frozen blueberries, because they give off more color. And then we just kind of strained the fruit chunks back out. So the girls drizzled their icing, got to put their sprinkles on these princess crown cutouts, which was fun. And then um, we went on to activities, which was our uh, mural painting wall. Um, That was super cool. I took a, a shower curtain, a clear shower curtain, and the temper color paints. Um, so like those big temper color paints. So they are like non-permanent, semi-permanent. I don't know. There's something what temper color means, but that's what they are. And the girls painted with paintbrushes on both sides of the shower curtain. And I brought that out after we blew up the Little Tykes water slide, which Jules, shout out to you for bringing that. Um, Felicity's mom brought their blow up water slide, which is so cool. Um, it's like a, just like a couple hundred dollars and it's pretty amazing honestly for yeah. the investment it was a huge hit yeah, yeah yeah so like all the girls were like flying down the water slide <laughs> and then um we busted out the paint and it went while well, they were in their swimsuits and then they started painting the mural and then i had the water table out for them to rinse their hands and they all kind of just found their their groove together which was so fun and then we closed things with having uh, chocolate cupcakes and buttercream frosting, chocolate buttercream frosting. And I cannot share the recipe because I followed verbatim the paleo patisserie chocolate cake recipe. So that's where I would say if you if you thought they looked good, they were really good. It was all about this egg white. We made um, an egg white foam basically you know big peaks of egg whites in the mixer and incorporated that and there was a little bit of apple cider vinegar in the base uh, and they were delectable it was basically ghee almond flour cacao powder a little bit of salt and then the eggs separated where the yolks went in with you know the ingredients and then that foamed white 
Um, but they were fantastic. And then I just did a very simple, like five minute chocolate buttercream frosting. Again, that's half the cupcake that Stella left for the mm-hmm. ants. Um, I had a whole one and yeah. they were delicious. <laughs> yeah, they totally were. And uh, yeah, the girls all sang happy birthday and it was just, it was awesome. It was such a fantastic day. Everything was such a fun time. Oh yeah. And you had it planned down to like 15 minute increments, which I think is important for that age. And oh yeah, you know, they're used to kind of transitions like that at school where they're not focused on any particular activity for probably more than 15 to 20 minutes. I think that was a really solid schedule of events. (laughs) Yes. And even though Stella and I had been talking for the last two weeks about princess etiquette and being gracious and what does it mean to be a party host, I still absolutely gave her and I a gabacom <laughs> the day of the party because I was really, honestly, moms, I was really nervous that she might, I don't know, just be bitey or 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 that she would get, this is her first party, so maybe she'd get anxious and not want the attention and say, no, don't look at me. Um, and so I that really, I think, all played into synergy of just an awesome, magical day. At some point, she was like, this is the best day of my life. And that's just like... <laughs> Yeah, it was the like thing mic you want to hear as a parent, I'm yeah. sure. It's like, I did it. I win. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter what else happens. Yeah. yeah. This is the best day of my life. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So yeah, I think you guys had exactly the right amount of indulgence and whole food balance. We'll be sure that we link her princess pink lemonade up on the blog. And um, you did a tomato avocado salad the next day mm-hmm. at her family party. So we'll link that as well. Do you want to talk about that well, party at all? I was going to say, and the next day, uh, the Princess uh-huh. Pink Lemonade <laughs> goes really well with vodka. Yes. <laughs> not, not for so, me. So for but... <laughs> the moms that are looking for a little, you know, cocktail, that, that worked really fun. And um, also it could be like a spritzer with champagne. Uh, but we had a lot of Princess Pink Lemonade leftover. So I was like, well... I think I'm going to see how this flows for pool day. Uh, Yeah, so we had just had a fun pool party at uh, the grandparents with her cousins, and we did a barbecue, so we just did grass-fed burgers, and uh, I brought two salads. One was the heirloom tomato, bacon, red onion, avocado, uh, which I will totally, it's just a very simple like red wine vinegar dressing, but that goes really well with a summer barbecue, so I'll totally be putting that up on the blog. And uh, I made another green salad, and then we ended up just doing like an ice cream bar, which was fun and easy. We just did the like Adeline's organic ice cream, and I had the leftover organic sprinkles, and it was everyone was happy. Yep, the sprinkles were a hit, and you've mm-hmm. got like enough leftover for <laughs> life, probably the next twenty years. <laughs> yeah, something. And I brought chocolate dip strawberries over there as well, and oh, that yeah. was a big hit. Yep. I think Stella had two chocolate dip strawberries, and again, like half of her ice cream and then like was like back in the pool running around but she ate her whole burger and her (laughs) her salad so we're good awesome so it was so much fun so fun to be here and get to participate in all of the activities and just kind of witness the joy especially coming out of the bad season and and into birthday season um let's get into we asked and and kind of polled on instagram for some Q and A, so these should be like super timely and relevant. Let's get into some of these because I know we have so so many. Yes, so um, I put out a poll for questions for you guys, and and just have collected the first I think ten that came in. So we'll <laughs> see how many we can get in in the next twenty minutes or so. Um, the first one that I got was top five supplements for all kids. 
so I would say the top five that I would go for are the multi-avail kits, which is the chewable multivitamin that has methylated B vitamins. So if we're worried about MTHFR genetics, this is going to have that methylfolate and also the methylcobalamin in there. It has chelated minerals, so all really bioavailable, and it's an orange chewable tablet, which has less sugar than like the gummy products out there. The Kids Biotic would be right up there. And the Kids Biotic is a chewable, grape-flavored, 10 billion CFU colony-forming units of a lacto-bifido blend of probacteria that is in two chews. And um, these are the two strains, specifically the Lactobacillus NCNF and the Bifidobacterium that were studied in the Journal of Pediatrics to reduce cold and flu symptoms, reduce sick days, reduce runny nose, cough. So really important, I would say, just in the stage of everything going on with pandemic and immune support and now kind of liberating kids getting back out in the real world, one that I would prioritize. And I made a note yesterday on my Instagram, just reconnecting the dots again, that probiotics are also nature's Prozac. So during this time, like I observed with Stella, as much as I tried to harness things and as much as our household had no fear this entire season, she still ended up having night tremors. And it could have been just a normal time of growth or development, or it could have been based on the pandemic. And I think that there is a vibration, as I've mentioned, you know, out in our community, whether we have it in our household or not, and maybe within our household as well, of, of fear and of anxiety. And so I really feel like probiotics are a high priority for all of our children right now to support optimal mental health as well. Um, so that's the kids biotic and that's the chewable form. And then the grass-fed whey would be another great support because often kids are just not getting enough protein. Um, I have a separate question on macros, so I'll wait on the grams I recommend, but getting a good protein-rich uh, source that is clean, this is the native way or the non-denatured way that we use in the grass-fed way. It maintains all of those immune-supporting globulins, um, which are very helpful for the immune system's defense mechanisms, and also the grass-fed way has gut support. So if your child had experienced in their past things like uh, cradle cap or eczema and things that would, um, or ear infections and had been on courses of antibiotics, this would be a really great way to restore your child's gut in conjunction with that kid's biotic. So that's the top three that I would say, and those are all in our kids essentials bundle. And then what about things that we would like pulse in as needed? And oh, let's talk about um, our new vitamin D as well. I feel like that hasn't gotten very much airtime yet. I don't think any at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, the liquid vitamin D, uh, it's called the vitamin D balance blend liquid. And um, I actually have dosing on it from infant to adulthood. So this could be a really fantastic, you know, finally pediatricians are in the last five years recommending vitamin D for infants onward, because we know that just the multiple mechanisms of action are so important to immune health, to metabolic health, to growth and development, to structural health, like bone health, to our, um, I think I said mood, but I don't know, mood as well. Um, so, you know, this is a really good one. And especially when we're looking at mortality and risk factor with upper respiratory virus, the vitamin D is just absolutely essential. So um, we do with Stella 2000 IUs a day. 
Um, sometimes we do only about five days a week because she is out in the sun at least two to three hours a day. Um, but she gets on average about 2,000 IUs. And the vitamin D balance blend, what makes it balanced, just like our capsule, is the combination of K1 and K2. And the K2 that we select is the most known, the MK7, um, that really reduces calcification. So it's important if you are supplementing with vitamin D at any age, but if you are using vitamin D daily, that you are mindful to ensure that it has that vitamin K combination with it so that you don't have a risk factor of calcification or kidney stone. Yeah, and that's super exciting to have the dosage from infancy on. I know I'll be stocking up on that one for our little one to come. <laughs> yes, totally. And then um, the other two that I would say that'd be more to pulse in would be relax and regulate. Um, so relax and regulate is our number one top selling supplement. Uh, that one is fantastic for uh, sleep and also as an anxiolytic to mellow out mood. Um, also can be very powerful if your child experiences um, any like neuromuscular tics or um, if they deal with spasms as well as bowel regularity because this form of the magnesium bisglycinate helps to support the peristalsis or that pumping of the GI tract. And so we are going to get more support than doing a laxative, which is going to create bowel dependency. This is more teaching the neuromuscular system how to do the work. Um, and then, you know, if they do deal with constipation, you could bring in the phytofiber as well, because a lot of kids' diets are too low in fiber. So that would be one that you could mix into a shake with the grass-fed whey, which would work beautifully. And then GABACOM would be the other one that you could pulse in at time of need. Um, for Stella, it's pretty infrequent because um, she isn't that uh, irritable or... Um, you know, high reactive or anxious, but for things like long flights, for things like, uh, if, if KetoCon was on last weekend and I had to bring her into KetoCon and she had to engage with hundreds of <laughs> thousands of people, you know, um, well just thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but you know, um, that would be a good way to kind of cut those nerves. So she felt safer, you know, things like before a doctor's appointment. Um, and then yeah, before her birthday party. Yep. <laughs> flying or anything that's like a big anxiety producing transition for kiddos. I think that's a great one. What about low carb or keto for kids on the spectrum? Let's talk about that. Sure. And I also got that same question in regards to ADHD. Sure. So, you know, whether we're talking autism or whether we're talking other neurological concerns or behavioral concerns. And I, I think we could just say in general. I mean, the, the benefits of a low carb diet is that there are multiple impacts on the pathophysiology or the, the processes within that child's body. Uh, we can see favorable outcomes in the gut because we know that a high refined carbohydrate diet is going to be prone towards dysbiosis. Um, and whether that's bacterial or yeast overgrowth, that can highly interfere with brain health. So if they deal with brain fog um, or if they're dealing with concentration and focus issues, starting with the gut could be a big place to look at. So a low carb diet is going to start to starve off that overgrowth of bacteria. We also know that the child can have optimal neurotransmitter um, function and can get detox support if we're eating a clean whole foods based diet. Um, and um, we can watch how the neuropathways are influenced if their body is producing ketones. But to be clear, unless a child has 
cancer that is being managed with a ketogenic diet or has a genetic need, um, like a GLUT4 transfer issue, or uh, if they're having a um, neurological uh, treatment for seizures and they're using a ketogenic diet, those are the only times when I recommend tight carb control and like that four to one fat to combination protein and carb ratio. In most kids, they're so metabolically flexible that I would say just keeping your kids' carbs around 60 to 90 grams, which I'm going to answer another question, what is an appropriate amount of carbs for kids? So 60 to 90 grams, I feel, is really within the appropriate range. Stella probably hangs between 60 to 75 on most days. If your kid is super active and 10 plus years old, you know, and has a good amount of muscle mass, they're like a swimmer or a runner or doing something as an athletic sport activity, um, then I would say you could go upwards of 120 grams. But all of that would still stay relatively based on metabolic flexibility and likely creating some light ketones for the child. I don't feel for children that, again, aren't dealing with seizure activity or a clinical need that it would be necessary by any means to do finger sticks or monitor them, um, even like urine strips. I, I just don't find that to be necessary. Um, and I think that the, the big thing we want to watch out on is prioritizing that a protein is central at every meal, that they are incorporating whole food sources of healthy fats, that they're getting vegetable variety, and that we're conscious of their carb intake as long as we aren't doing any naked carbs and we're getting all those other checked boxes, we should be in a really sweet spot for metabolic health. Totally. And the kid is likely dipping in and out of ketosis depending on their activity level. Kids are pretty active, uh, but it's not something from what I'm hearing that you'd want to specifically target per se. No, I don't think that has to be a, a priority. Sure. Um, and, and so another question that came in was pretty much the exact same as the keto diet recommended for children. And then what about intermittent fasting? And I would say I, I also would not emphasize the need of intermittent fasting. If we look at the benefits of intermittent fasting, we're doing this for autophagy or we're doing this for um, you know HGH and mechanisms of either working to repair or rebound from insulin resistance into insulin sensitivity. Um, and we're really looking at fixing something that's broken. And the idea is if you keep your child free of a standard American diet and are conscious with optimal nutrition throughout their all stages of growth and development, we shouldn't have to like pulse in some of these types of tools. With that being said, I am definitely against kids being grazers. So I do think that there is a time and place to have feeding times and that there's a time and place to have rested times and that I really do recommend having like four hour windows in between feeding, um, you know, once we're past infancy, of course. And I think that, you know, what's interesting is during pandemic, Stella did consequentially do some more kind of intermittent fasts or longer periods of time without food where she always, she's hungry in the morning. So she always eats within the first hour of rise, but she would maybe have uh, her breakfast, but then, you know, Brady and I would get lost in the grind and the day would go on and it would be like 3 PM and she hadn't eaten anything again. And we'd be like, well, you know, dinner's going to be at 5:30, So let's make sure we get home girl a snack. Um, and really make sure she gets enough nut butter, enough calories in this middle of the day and some, you know, turkey and whatnot. Um, but it's interesting how she wasn't getting, because of her blood sugar regulation, because of the balance in her diet, she wasn't getting those hunger spurs or like the like, you know, freaking out about mood jags from hanger from the blood sugar irregularities. Her blood sugar seems to be super sound because she can easily go six plus hours 
during an active day and not complain about hunger. Totally. And like we've said before, kids really will self-regulate at that age and they'll ask for food when they're ready. But if you're constantly offering snacks or if you're leaving stuff out for them throughout the day, that's really where we get into trouble with grazing. Oh yeah. I mean, kids will bore to meat just like adults do yep. for sure. And, but the big thing I would say on the fasting thing is I would by no means say that you should like time restrict no. feed your kids and like put them on a 16 eight or anything. I think you should allow them to be in charge of their hunger signals, but provide them the guidance of eating windows. And then if you feel like it's more frequent than they should quote unquote be hungry, I would just offer a vegetable. So that's why I do for Stella's, sure. you know, if I feel like she ate all of her lunch and you know, she is nourished and she's like, I'm hungry. Can I have a, can I have a snack? Can I have a this and that? Can I have an apple? And I'll be like, no, but I do have some carrots. Would you like some carrots? And then she's kind of like, mm, no. <laughs> or she might say, okay. And then she might eat carrots and great, you know, but so I kind of will just offer her like, oh, well we have room for a vegetable since you've eaten all the things that you have. We're going to wait for dinner. But if you'd like a vegetable to crunch on, you can do that. Totally. And that takes the like boredom eating element out and it's still a super nourishing choice. Um, all right. This one is how to increase iron in a toddler. So I know this is a concern. A lot of times when, um, we're using like milk, especially in toddlers, the iron deficiency is very common. What would you recommend? So, uh, the get getting grass fed beef into the child's diet would be really important. And we do this at least four times a week as a goal. We also use a cast iron in the majority of our cooking. So we are getting some of that elemental iron when we're cooking. I mean, so even like in her pancakes, she's getting a little bit of that as a trace mineral. And then um, in the Multiville Kids, there is a little bit of iron in there, but not a full supplemental load. If your child was iron deficient, you know, then I would recommend doing a chelated form, like a ferrous sulfate form. Um, and, uh, you know, that would be dosed depending on, honestly, their, their deficiency. If they have anemia um, and what's going on and make sure that you get a breakdown beyond their um, hematic crit and their hemoglobin, make sure you get a breakdown on their um, red blood cells to check for B12 deficiency as well. So their MCV and their MCHC, um, important to consider when you're looking at iron deficiency. And I, I think if asking from the sense of, you know, like I'm, I'm not a big fan of cereal at all. Um, I'm not a fan of fortified foods at all because all fortified foods are going to have folic acid instead of that methylfolate. And if you have not tested your child's genetics, you're doing a disservice to give them a food with the synthetic folic acid. So, you know, this goes for like child's first foods like oatmeal and rice cereals all the way through like breakfast cereals, like Cheerios and you name it. All of those foods are going to be synthetically re-enriched. So I'm all about, you know, that more whole food based and getting from true biological sources. And I would only supplement with added iron on top of what's in the multi if there was a known case of anemia and I would ensure that we investigated the source. Totally. And I think grass-fed burger still is probably favorite protein. <laughs> Back and forth from that and salmon. salmon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's not a big chicken fan, just like Aunt Becky. Nope. She's like, um, <laughs> I'm not really into this, but I'll eat it. Put it in a quesadilla and I'll eat it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Cover it in cheese. <laughs> And that's a good point, Becky, about milk. Um, mm -hmm. So like I said, you know, Stella didn't have dairy in her diet truly until like age three to four. So it's really those those first couple, um, you know, when we're looking at breastfed babies 
and that transition into baby led weaning in my perspective versus those cereals that there's that little bit of fear mongering about getting in enough iron. And um, I think, I think Lily Nichols is a great uh, resource for that as well. She has a lot of tables and, um, when you're incorporating organs into your kids' diets, that's another way to really get a boost of the, um, mineral richness. Awesome. All right. Um, what do you do if your kid's dad or mom, in the case of divorce or maybe in-laws, try to sabotage? Or maybe they're not trying to sabotage. Maybe they're just trying to offer treats or offer some comfort with food. Um, but if they try to sabotage your diet approach. That's how the person asked it. So yeah. <laughs> I get it. No, I told- Just trying to be gentle. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I think it's really important that throughout your household and your food principles and philosophies that you incorporate your child in the conversation. You have to empower your child. And that's, you know, really, I feel like why and where Stella will say, oh, that's too sweet for me. Like I will, I will not look at her and be like, is it too sweet? Is it, is it too sweet? (laughs) I'm not that psycho of a mom. I literally give her opportunity, but I talk to her about how if you're to have a fruit or a, you know, starchy something that that's a carb. And we always pair our carbs with protein or fat because it helps to keep our blood sugar balanced. And that helps to keep our energy regulated and that helps to keep our mood regulated. And and she gets that principle. So she will proactively be like, oh, I know what I could have for protein, a meat stick. I could have, I could have a meat stick mom. Right. And I'll be like, you could, you know? So, so I think that she carries that truly. I mean, we've talked with other family members and we have not had this as an issue, um, which is wonderful. I think obviously with my presence, uh, most, uh, (laughs) people are a little nervous to, to mess with what they feed Stella, you know? So, (laughs) and I'm always bringing snacks and such. So like, everyone's like, okay, okay, whatever you say. Um, But I would say in the sense of like an X and, you know, where there's more dynamics, um, I think it's just really important that you do empower them with the why and you try to work on the same team. You know, like this isn't a power play. I understand that you want her to look forward to having ice cream with you every Friday, but just if you are going to give her ice cream, it's really important that that dinner is a balanced meal and is not then pizza and popcorn or that, you know, we ensure she's getting a protein or you, you audit her lunch. If you pick her up on Friday and you want to take her for ice cream and you see if she ate a protein and you have a protein option in the car to provide her prior to the ice cream and empowering them with, you know, you're going to deal with the ramifications of, (laughs) of the blood sugar, uh, (laughs) response. And she does not do well if she's on like a crazy high. Um, and so I think that if you have a conversation and you try to empower and neutralize, and give the whys behind that most people will then be on board and you allow them the autonomy to have the freedom to have the treat but you provide again the why on your direction between so you know I I really prefer you go to lick ice cream because they use grass-fed they use grass-fed dairy and it's really important to me that um, my child stays free of added hormones in the diet because we're seeing in research girls are getting their periods two years earlier we're seeing higher estrogen dominance xyz so if the cost difference is important i'm happy to to fill up a card and you can use that that card to purchase the ice cream but that's where i'd really that's where it's important for me and why um, and I feel like if you provide some some strategy and science of why, and there is a health ramification to the child or behavioral ramification to the child or a digestive, you know, last time you had Stella, I noticed that she had loose stool and was talking about her tummy aching, you know, and then have that conversation with the child again, connecting full circle that 
people aren't going to want to make your child have poor health or have a poor behavioral day. So hopefully there's some connection of the dots and, um, you know, more people on, on your team or the way that you're trying to raise your child and her diet or his. Okay. So totally about the why, whether it's for an adult or for the child and, and best to empower both. Totally. Yeah. All right. We've got time for maybe two more. Um, so let's do this one. Um, the parent with three boys. So having three boys, I can't keep them full, even focusing on healthy fats and fibrous foods. I okay. don't know their ages, but let's assume like super active right. boys. Right. <laughs> so I would go to ensure that they're getting enough protein. And um, this would be ensuring, so generally speaking, for kiddos, we want to make sure that we're getting enough, we look at like grams per kilogram of body weight. And so when kiddos are in a development and active mode, we really want to make sure that they're getting almost a gram almost a gram of protein per pound at minimum and sometimes two so like in a toddler that's like you know 30 pounds they can easily handle somewhere between 30 to 60 grams of protein a day and 60 is higher end for a 30 pound kiddo but i'm telling you i mean stella easily had cleared six ounce burgers at 30 pounds no problem and that's 42 right there and then she'd get probably some protein throughout the day um, so you can kind of apply that. So if the child is like, you know, 65 pound boy, maybe he's, you know, at like age 10 or whatnot, depending on his size and development, then he could easily hang between 65 to 110, 120 grams of protein. Um, so I would make sure that they're getting enough protein and I would incorporate like the grass fed whey in that model because you could really do a protein shake that could also provide more satiety and like nut butters and such. So you could make like a 400 to 600 calorie protein smoothie for them. And that could be a great way for them to have like a post uh, school snack or post exercise or activity and really support that nutritional need. And the grass fed way is awesome too, because not only does it have that immune support and the gut support, but it also has the branch chain amino acids, which are going to help with the muscle growth and development. Totally. And I think, you know, it's a misperception that carbs are going to create fullness and satiety it might create more GI bloat or distension, which could be perceived mm-hmm. <laughs> as um, temporary satiety. But I think you'll find that, you know, if you're dialing up the carbs, they're actually going to be asking for snacks more often. And that's because of that insulin response, yeah. especially if they're naked carbs, you know, so if you do like a pasta dinner, um, then it's very possible, if, especially if you're lacking a meat sauce and mm-hmm. you're doing a pasta dinner with just like a marinara and just cheese, then they're likely going to be like famished because they're going to get that hyperinsulin response and then that blood sugar crash. And that's what creates this, you know, vicious cookie cycle, if you will. So you don't have to restrict the carbs on the active boys, but I would still recommend keeping them paleo sourced. So like starchy vegetable or fruits as, as the good, better, best options. And then if they do tolerate grains, I would keep to a gluten-free option ideally, um, and keep that still as a, you know, component of the balanced distribution of the meal. Totally. Okay. Last one. Um, let's hit on this one because we talked about it a little bit a while back. Um, what's the best way to sneakily transition from a semi-healthy diet to all healthy? Yeah. And I want to roll in these other questions because I just think okay, it's so good. It. Just these last two. Um, <laughs> so, so the sneakily to a semi-healthy, and then there were other two other questions. One said, should we worry much about raw veggies for like oxalates and anti-nutrients with kiddos and offer mostly cooked? 
And then the other person said, how to educate but not create fear. So I think we can kind of roll those all in. I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think, again, I, I wouldn't sneakily transition. I would overtly transition and I would explain the whys behind. Um, so literally pull out, if you're switching, like I said, the example of a cracker, pull out the labels and show them, wow, this cracker has 22 grams of carbs and this one has 16 but what's even more is that this one had only two grams of protein, but this one has eight. And so when we look at the balance of how your body can use this, this is going to create less dynamic of a blood sugar spike. And when you're in this speed bump world of your blood sugar, your body is more satisfied. Your performance is more consistent. When you get the more protein, your brain fires quicker and you also build more muscle mass. So you can have these conversations of the why. And you don't have to yet demonize carbs in the sense of educating and not creating fear. You don't have to demonize and say the lower the better or whatnot. You're just showing them the relationship and you're explaining them how that impacts their body and their performance or whatever resonates to them. If your child's a teen and they're worried about skin health or if they're you know worried about getting taller or whatever it is, you can assign the messaging to their primary goal so it sticks to their why and likely they will internalize it more and they will quote unquote buy in. And then the second part of it is getting them involved in the process. So now that you've taught them a little bit about label lingo, let's take it a step further and take them to the grocery store and let them pick snacks and create some guidance. You know, if it's 15 grams of carbs, we want at least half of the amount of protein and fat combined um, to balance out our blood sugar. And so then they can find what bar works best for them. Um, So allowing them to be a part of the process, I think, is really important as well. And, um, you know, connecting the dots of when they do eat things that are more processed, asking how they feel and trying to get some feedback in that sense. In the world of vegetables, no, again, I really think that unless there is a, a injured um, gut, so in the sense of like inflammatory bowel disease, if a child is, you know, known flare of Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, then I would withhold raw vegetables. Um, But otherwise, I find raw vegetables to be, like I said, a great way to get that volume, a great support for phytonutrients. And the cost to benefit of the anti-nutrients is really more petri dish science than true human um, intervention when we're looking at the benefits of fruit and vegetable consumption and polyphenols. And um, I do recommend a, a balance of cooked and raw. And I do recommend for cruciferous to always cook those. But other than that, I think like the carrot sticks and the bell peppers and the cucumbers, those are things that are a frequent snack or um, side in our lunch. And often the raw veggies get eaten at lunchtime more than the leftover roasted broccoli. Totally. <laughs> Brady makes fun of me every time I include it. And he's like, oh, you're doing it again. She's her not lunch smells it. like a fart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's your voice, Brady. <laughs> Dude, her lunch smells like a fart. Especially if I add wild salmon in it too. So then I'm extra getting getting the eyes from dad. But I just balance it with a smile and say, you know, these omega-3s are great for... So, you know, (laughs) empowering all of the people in the household. Totally, totally. And and with the transition piece too, knowing that you don't have to go from like the crackers to celery or like the chips to raw carrots there's an in-between step and and you know there's a lot of really good products out there like the simple mills crackers or the siete tortilla chips that can be a good step down that you can 
kind of replace. It doesn't have to be sneaky. It's just, you know, this is the crackers we're going to be eating now on, from now on as a household. They have five different flavors. Why don't we try them all out and see what you like best? Yep, most totally. So hopefully today's episode provided you some action items within your household. And it has been requested that I do an episode on teens. So I think that'll come. We're going to do one about like teens and hormones as well as food as medicine speak to them in the sense of like focusing on topics that are of their concern um, from, you know, PMS to acne and to boys in exercise and so forth. So I think that'll be a cool whole episode, Becky, and we'll be able to cover a lot of ground. All right. We'll do it. Yes. So as always, <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode, go on over to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening on that platform, and please leave us a five-star review. Also, um, you can go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. That is where you can explore the five top, I actually recommended six supplements for kiddos. Um, and you can also take a quiz to learn about what supplements would be best for you and your body to optimize and thrive. On AllieMillerRD.com, we also have books, programs, so many resources for you in the sense of protocols and articles. So go on over and check it out. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.